Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Attack them with hardcore facts. Point out that two is the most accurate quarterback on planet Earth. Tell them about Tua's clutch gene as seen in the Georgia National title game. Show them Tua's gigantic legs in his off-season workout videos. And lastly, point out that Tua was clearly sabotaged by former head coach Brian Flores. Keep up the good fight, and remember, we always like them. We are Tua not. Expect us. You know, it just occurred to me... (laughs) It just occurred to me. I have a feeling that's our friend Big Cat. Oh, a hundred. I mean, I've always thought there was a chance it was him. No doubt about it. It would be right up his alley. Yes, it would be. And I could see him delivering that with the dolphin head. Yeah, I have a feeling that's him. But um, look, it it's real, though. There is this subset of Dolphins fans that is ridiculously over the top Pro to a tongue of Iloa, doesn't want to hear about any possible upgrade. Deshaun Watts and Tom Brady, no, 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 no. Two is the guy. And what have we seen so far in two NFL seasons to make us think that other than being able to successfully complete three yard passes? Yeah, I I know. It, it's we gotta see it. It's still yet to be proven for sure. It's a huge year for Tua. You know, there there's you got some of like, you know, the intangibles you like, right? Uh, and he is a leader, he's got some charisma. He certainly isn't shy, you know, or afraid of a big moment. I, I love all that, too. You know, he's got good feel in the pocket. He can move a little like you're seeing here in this highlight, sure. But it's not the type of runner or athlete where you go, oh, my gosh, he's out in the loose. Watch out. It's going to go for 40. I mean, he's not nowhere near that. I mean, absolutely not. You know, yes, we know. There has to be an offense that, like we're seeing here from the last four clips, it's devised through he can throw it five and eight yards over the middle. And to me, that's why Mike McDaniel is there. It's for that just itself. So, yeah, it's, it's solid quarterback play. He can manage a game. We get that. Pocket collapses, not very good. Can't make a lot of plays with people surrounding him in the pocket. Weather, 
elements, not very good. Pushing the ball down the field into tight windows where you go, well, the top 20 quarterbacks in football, they make this throw on a routine basis. That doesn't happen routinely with him. But he's the number five pick of the draft, so it's supposed to happen. So that's that's the problems there. And, yeah, he's got some questions to answer for the rest of the world other than Tuanon, which seems very like a very high intellect group there, a very, very high group. <laughs> Yeah, and he, it's not his fault. He was the fifth overall pick. No, no, it's not. It's I not know. his fault. I know. No, no. And, I'm just and, saying and, those and are the I know, expectations. I'm saying that. Yeah. No, I know. I, that's my point. Yeah. That's my point. He, he he has high expectations because he was the fifth overall pick in the draft, and that does make the bar higher. And we want to see more from him. And this is not anti Tua the person. We're trying to evaluate the player. We like the guy. The player, we're not sold on him yet. And there's still a lot that needs to be done. And to the extent that they were thinking about upgrading to Deshaun Watson last year, I mean, come on. I mean, there's a there's a huge difference. It's night and day between Deshaun Watson and Tua Tonga Bailoa. It's night and day between Deshaun Watson and most quarterbacks. And if they could get Tom Brady for a few years on the back end of his career, and who knows how long he's going to play, they should embrace it, not resist it. Wouldn't you want Tom Brady if you're a Dolphins fan? They've been trying to find a, a replacement for Dan Marino for 20-plus years. And uh, why not Brady at this point? That, that, that's the one position that has kept them from being everything they could be. And this is the year where there's no excuses for Tua. And maybe Mike McDaniel is good enough, Chris, that he can prop up Tua. That he can make Tua look better than he really is. Yeah. That he can get us the best version of Tua. Uh-huh. Give him the coaching he needs, the support he needs. So he is all of a sudden... A guy that we say, hey, I like the way this guy plays. I think there's a chance of that. I do. I think there's some things, you know, you look at the formula right now and how it's being concocted. Do you go, well, this might fit him really well. Coach that's famous for a run game, you know, coming from a place that's famous for, you know, misdirection and quick throws over the middle for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, we, we kind of hit this. It's, you know, run to the right. Yeah, here's Chase Edmonds outside Shanahan zone. Oh, now it's the bootleg. And now it's, oh, you know, the bootleg overthrowing the screen back to the receiver. Oh, now it's the bootleg and Tyree Kill came behind the offensive line of scrimmage and we threw a three-yard pass to him and he runs. And now it's the same thing, but we fake it to Tyreek and now Waddle's going down the middle. I mean, that's what we're going to see. Then and, and, and there is a chance that it really fits Tua. He's a wheeler and dealer. He is. He's a point guard. He is good at that type of stuff. He's slick. But it's the power throws. And like we see in the NFL right now, again, for the second straight in the year in the, in the NFL, the top four teams in the league, okay, well, this year it was three out of four, but the top four teams in the league in championship weekend – had quarterbacks that could sit in a pocket with pressure bearing down on them and they can throw strikes anywhere on the football field. Still the name of the game. Doesn't matter. And you can get any other great quarterbacks too. Josh Allen, who wasn't there, that's what they do. And that's still a part that we have not seen from Tua. And, you know, how much of that can you hide or make an offense with? Sure, you can do it, but I'll always go, are you sure you're going to be able to do it against the really good teams? Because it's the really good teams now, you're going to have to make some really good throws. And it's not going to be just the scheme and everybody else helping you to get the five-yard completion and the guy run. And that's the thing I need to see at least. As we discussed earlier, the filing of the Brian Flores lawsuit forced the Dolphins away from their plan to try to get Sean Payton from the Saints after Saints uh, coach Sean Payton had resigned and toward 
Mike McDaniel, and they may have ended up with a guy who's going to be a pretty damn head coach. Let's hear from a couple of guys who recently got new contracts in Miami, Xavier Howard and Emmanuel Ogba, about their initial impressions of their new head coach, Mike McDaniel. When I got in the building today, I feel like everything been different since I got here. You know, the energy, everybody happy, you know. I feel like things, a lot of things going to be special here, you know, with Mike McDaniel, you know. He bringing that energy and um, hopefully, you know, get the offense up the, up the part, you know, to the standard that we expect from both sides of the ball, you know, everybody get the job done here. It's just different. You could tell, I mean, you guys don't really walk in the locker room, but it's just different, you know. A lot of guys happy to be back, you know, everybody just happy to see each other again. It's, it's only been like two months, but it felt like forever. You know, we're just glad to be back working again. So, You know, this isn't a knock on Brian Flores. It's a recognition of the Patriot way. And even That's if right. you are 1,000% committed to being different from Bill Belichick, when you have 15 years with him, you're bringing some of that to the organization. That yeah. attitude is baked into who you are, your approach to football. It's not fun. It's not happy. It's it's like the uh, the scene from Remember the Titans, zero fun, sir. We're not here to have fun. We're here to try to win. Our fun comes the night that we get our Super Bowl rings. That's the Patriot way. And uh, it's not a surprise that you have that kind of loose and comfortable in his own skin and dorky, cool Mike McDaniel, I don't mean that as an insult. There's yeah. something about Mike McDaniel I really like. And yes, <clears throat> not, not, I mean, Brian Flores is extremely intense. Intense is not a word that I would apply to Mike McDaniel. No. He is very easy and calm and kind of deliberately nonchalant, if that makes any sense. Yeah. But yes, it's a, it's, it, it would be a very, if you're in that organization and you have that change, those two personalities swapped out one for the other you're going to notice it immediately you definitely are uh, mcdaniels is yeah it's going to be a little more you know yes a, a chiller manner as far as from the head coach there's going to be a different energy in the building to your point you know that shanahan mcveigh vibe and of course you know some of these guys are from san francisco it's just always about hey let's go let's go we're gonna do hey we're gonna do this let's go let's go we're gonna kick some butt kick some ass here we go that's the way that group is to your point where new england's a little bit like you know, all right, hey, we got to work on this detail right now. Got to, all right, now, now it's the next detail. Get it right. Okay, get it right. You did. Good job. All right, you could have done a little better. There's a difference there, no doubt. And, you know, what's funny to me is you're going to have one side of the ball that's still going to have the New England way. You got all the New England coaches that Flores left there on the defensive side of the ball. And then you're going to have this fresh offensive energy side of the ball that's going to have a little different and perk up the room a little bit. So we'll see how that combination works. But I know, like you, me, I'm excited for Miami. I really am. I'm excited for everything, the team on the field, to see what it looks like with McDaniel and just see the progress they can make and see what Tua does, too. Again, it's not personal with Tua. Just talking football, talking business. Like the guy, hope the best for him, and hopefully he does great this year and you know can crap all over me and some of the things we both said. The one thing they need to do desperately. Yeah. Get rid of the uniforms, back to the old <laughs> ones. That's the what we were talking recently about who has great throwbacks and I had forgotten about the Dolphins. The Dolphins throwbacks are so much better than their current uniforms and that's one thing Brian Flores was pushing. Let's make the old uniforms the permanent uniforms. That that would get me fully on board with the Dolphins if they would make that switch permanently. I love the Dolphins on the days that they wear the old uniforms. The days they wear the new uniforms, I'm kind of like, eh, eh, okay. 
But uh, they are fascinating, and uh, they're going to be an interesting team to watch they this are. year. An interesting team for different reasons, the Carolina Panthers. Who's the quarterback going to be? Here is Sam Darnold appearing on the Bussin' with the Boys podcast with Taylor Lewand talking about the uncertainty he's currently experiencing at the quarterback position in Carolina. It truly is, and this is this is kind of where you're not going to believe what I say, but just bear with me. I'll be ready. Yeah. Um, it truly is, like, whatever happens, happens. Because mm-hmm. that's, at the end of the day, like, it's out of my control. Yeah. And I know that. And so I have enough security in myself to where I can be like, I know I'm a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. I know I can be a good quarterback in this league. I've proved it. Um, and I know there's a team if, you know, something happens that would want me i wonder if he knows that there's a specific team or he's just saying hey there's 32 of them somebody out there would want me if something happens it's easy to be chill about this when you're getting 18.8 million this year no matter what no matter who you play for no matter what you do whether you're on the bench whether you're on the field whether you play great whether you don't you're still getting 18.8 million and you'll be a free agent next year that's where he should be concerned though do you get any money next year? Do you get anything more than the veteran minimum next year? And what you do this year is going to go a long way toward determining if you do have a future as a starter or whether you slide into the Blaine Gabbert phase of your career and you are just holding clipboards and making good money yeah. but not not out there in the fray showing that you're a good quarterback week in and week out. Yeah, it's it's you know teetering on that time a little bit. Uh, it's it's I, I, first off I think his approach is right there's nothing you can do right you just got to sit back and you got to get better and you don't know what the Panthers are going to do in the draft to, to address the quarterback situation so he's got to be willing to just roll with the punches at this point and you're right the 18 million dollars certainly makes it a little easier to roll with them also I don't think we've seen the end of Sam Darnold I don't I mean again it's it's two spots in a row and I defended him last year and certainly thought it would be more successful than it was and he didn't play great but I do think there was things that went into that. He hasn't been in the best situations. We know that. Carolina, I, you know, again, we, we saw the offensive coordinator get fired only a few weeks after they kind of benched Sam Darnold. It, so that tells you something, too. It wasn't just Sam Darnold. As I discussed during the year, it would be the second quarter, and I'd go, I've seen this play six times already, and it's not that good of a play, and it didn't work the five times before. So that's the issue. You know, so he's had that, and because he was a top ten pick or a top five pick, Generally, those guys have nine lives a little bit. I mean, he was viewed as the number one pick in the draft by a lot of teams in football. So he'll get his chances to be at least a backup, and then you got to hope to get your chance to play again. Um, But, yeah, that Carolina quarterback situation, very, very interesting. And uh, Sam, Sam Darnold, we'll see where it goes. But there was some terrible play, that's for sure. Hey. I remember in the early months of our first year together on this program, somebody referred to him as Sam Darno. Darno. Parlez-vous français? Easier to remember how to pronounce his grandfather's name. That's for damn sure. No um, doubt. <laughs> now the Good old Dick Hammer? I mean, yeah. yeah how could you ever forget that? It's the greatest name in the history of mankind. Hey, one, of our, one of our all-time great sign-offs, and we should probably do it every show. He's Dick Hammer. I'm Turd Ferguson. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, (laughs) Look, we talked about this as it relates to a quarterback's first stop. And you could argue that Sam Darno, grandson of Dick Hammer, was ruined in New York on his first stop. 
It's also possible he landed up not in an ideal second yeah, spot. Right. You got a former college coach who, frankly, has yet to live up to the nine million per year or the hype that arrived with his smock that he wears from Baylor. He hasn't gotten it done yet. They haven't shown that they know how to operate the kind of offense that starts off. Yeah, you know, we we see it all the time. Hey, great few games to start the season. Now the other teams have tape on what you're exactly. doing. Let's see if you right. can continue it, and right. you can't. And now you got Ben McAdoo with his giant Chris Sims suit. Uh, <laughs> I look and and we've seen this time and again. And this is one of the byproducts of doing this for 20 years. You start to figure out the patterns. When you have a coach that is widely perceived to be on the hot seat and you have a key position like offensive coordinator that you're trying to fill, good luck getting a good offensive coordinator. All due respect to Ben McAdoo, but come on. Good luck attracting somebody who has options because the last thing that guy wants to do is be the guy on whose shoulders everyone's career is resting. That's what Ben McAdoo has become in Carolina. And Sam Darnold's career is resting on his shoulders. Like so many people have their future pinned to whether or not Ben McAdoo can figure out this offense and make it something that keeps David Tepper from firing everyone. Uh, So it's possible Sam Darnold ends up becoming the best quarterback. He can be on his third NFL team. If he lands in the right spot, maybe as a free agent gets to choose, chooses a coaching staff, a playbook, an organization that isn't dysfunctional, and and has a chance to really develop and grow. He's still fairly young. Yes, very young. I I, I, I I'm not ready to give up on I'm the guy not me neither. because it's entirely possible yeah. that it was two bad situations, right. not one, to start his career. I, I I agree with that. You know, again, this year, remember how everybody was happy early on in the year to a degree, and you know, he was having all those rushing touchdowns, right? Everybody t- talked about it, and like, oh my gosh, he's run for like nine touchdowns in you know three games or whatever it was. It was it was kind of crazy, but even then, some of those runs, it was like, yeah, nobody's open. Like I, I don't know what. So he had a run, he had to take off. McAdoo will be an improvement for what they had on the offensive side of the ball. Am I sitting here really ready to go? Oh, this is Bill Walsh? No, not exactly, but it will be an improvement. Uh, there's going to be more answers and things thrown at defenses through the McAdoo offense than there was with Joe Brady. That uh, Joe Brady just wasn't ready for the NFL. He thought, oh, wait, it worked in college, and you go, you get to the NFL, and you go, whoa, these guys are studied up on my stuff, and they have 12 more defenses in their arsenal than the SEC defenses did. So it's a different game there. Joe Brady had to learn it the hard way. But I'm with you, and I'm not giving up on Sam Darnold. This Carolina Panthers quarterback situation is fascinating. It really is because I am still one, even how it fall, fell apart last year, where I look at their roster and look at some of the young talent they got on the team, and I go, damn, they got some players. And you know, they can they can make some moves and be a pain in the butt in the NFC with as weak as it is, as we know. So that, but this quarterback situation, damn, I just don't know where it's going to go, and it's going to dictate a lot of the success of this football team. Quarterback and offensive line, they fix those two things. They can be a different team this year and, and be in a different you know spot in the division as far as where they rank. Bottom line, the grandson of Dick Hammer has yet to have a birthday party during which he blew out 25 candles on a birthday cake. There you go. still only 24 years old. 20-plus years younger than Tom Brady, so it's safe to say. 
He's got some football yes. left in him. We've got some show left in us. Let's take a break. We're going to quiz ourselves on some draft prospects with a game of who said it, boy. Uh-oh. I've got a, I've got a bad feeling about that. More TFT line <laughs> you are, you better this. get up on your draft stuff, Mike. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Now, I guess when it comes to just like who's the fastest, who's making the most money, something basic like that, alpha male crap. Exactly, that's what it is. I'm making more money than you. Right. Because it does bring more resentment, more problems. You're going to have more people who want stuff from you. Hey, you're making $30 million a year. Well, actually, I'm not. It's only – not that it matters. Like, I mean, it's only it's only, only 72.2 over the next three years. <laughs> yeah. So, please, don't ask me for that donation. Yeah. Mo Buddy, <laughs> oh, look God. at you. You're Mason P. Diddy. Look at that. That's funny. Man, That's that would be, well I guess, done. in the front there, that would be P. Diddy. That's his move with the arms out. That's a good face you're making there. You're thinking a lot about your coordination and your moves there. I I, uh, I don't get the reference. I know the song, though. I do know the song. You know the pop. I wouldn't yeah. be able to tell you based upon the posture that that's P. Diddy. Yeah. I know right. that was Stephon Diggs. Right. Uh, you know P. Diddy, latest. though. You remember Mace, I know. right, back in yeah, the day? Yeah, I, I, know, I know P. Diddy from, like, five different names that he went by. Yeah, you're right. I don't right? even know what he is now. Is he Diddy? I think he's Diddy, actually. You're right. Wasn't he? What was his first name? Puff Daddy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Puff Puff Pass Daddy. <laughs> and at some point, was he just Sean? Was he Sean Puffy Combs? At well, that his real is name that... is Sean Combs. But you're right; they were calling him Sean Puffy Combs for a long, long time. Really funny story here, right? Dad in the '80s was represented by an agent called named David Fishoff, who was really more relevant in the entertainment business than football. In New York City, dad would go visit this agent at his office in New York City. And, you know, in the, in the office or in that little area where they got off the elevator and, hey, he went to his agent's office, there was another office. And he was always like, hey, what are all these guys doing over here in this other office? You know, he was always going, a bunch of black guys, dressed cool. I don't know who, what the heck they're doing. And he was like, they're, they're doing something called rap music. They're doing rap music, right? And, and then when P. Diddy became famous, my dad was always like, that that's the guy that I used to see. I used to see that guy. <laughs> so he knew all about him and felt like he was ahead of the times there. <laughs> he has gone from Puffy to Puff Daddy to P Diddy, Diddy back to P Diddy to Sean John and Swag, then back to Puff Daddy and finally to love. Oh, <laughs> wow. I think there's a dartboard involved with the last one. Like it's as random as you can be. Anyway, uh, all right, we move on. Who said it? Draft edition. Here's the first quote. And I know this one because I wrote the story at PFT. The most ridiculous thing I've heard is that I'm not the best player in this draft. Who do you think that is? I think that's Kayvon. Edge rusher. Kayvon Thibodeau, Thibodeau, right? I believe. I feel like I saw that as well. Okay, good, good. Yep. He's He's been pretty... You know, adamant about being the best player in the draft. Certainly hasn't been shy about throwing that out there. 
We were talking yesterday about that, the Seahawks trading down from nine if he's still on the board and getting more picks. Because he, he's a very fascinating prospect to me because he has the high-end talent. There is the criticism that yeah. you know he takes some plays off and he doesn't bring it all the time. And there have been some cautionary tales in the past about guys who don't have the constant, constant, constant that you need you know, at the NFL level to be successful. But I think the guys potential they're all potentially great we'll find out we yeah, talked we'll about see. that yesterday too yeah. half of them are going to be great half of them are not going to be great there's only one way to find out let's see if they can go be great in the NFL all right next one do you know how to handle all the things that it takes to be a quarterback i definitely do so i think i am qb1 mm. i wrote this story too so i know the answer well this isn't fair but then i'll i'll go i'm going to get i don't know this one but i'm going to say it's Malik Willis Nope. Womp, womp, womp. Damn it. Kenny Pickett. It was Kenny Your favorite Pickett. prospect at quarterback. <laughs> you jerk. For the don't 2020. Don't, don't say that. Uh, so, yeah. Well, what? Yeah, listen, that's, that, that is what he does. Like, uh, like we've talked about, he's the most ready to go right now. And he has the highest floor as well. But he's got the lowest ceiling, in my opinion, too, out of the big-time quarterbacks in the draft there. So he can be ready to go and, and help a team out right away in year one, and you can go, all right, we can run our offense to a degree here with this rookie quarterback because he's done it a little bit. You made a great point yesterday, though. If Carolina takes him, yeah, they're going to be in for a rude awakening yeah. on day one. Yes. I like what you wrote, how you – and I, I saw that you kind of wrote about it in one of the articles, too, and – you, know, you said it the right way. I think you even said it better than I did. It's just it can cause problems in the locker room until you play a game. And then maybe when he plays and people go, oh, man, he's got it. But if a guy like him goes down to Carolina, like I said, yeah, there, there's going to guys in the locker room going to go, damn, Sam Donald's arm's stronger and he's he's got quicker feet and a quicker release. And, damn, we took Kenny Pickett. And you're going to have that combo until people actually get to see Pickett go on the field and then can go, oh, well, he's just a natural. He knows how to play the game. But until then – yeah, you're dealing with – you could have a little controversy in your building a little bit because the talent just doesn't smack everybody in the face, right? We hear GMs all the time go, like, one of the most nervous days of the year for them is that first practice after the draft because they want to make sure the first rounder looks better than the fifth rounder for sure. Or you start to go, oh, no, did I mess some things up? And that goes Absolutely. with that type of thing as well, right, where they want to make sure that guy we just drafted high is clearly the guy. And it's as simple as a couple of guys get in the locker room and they're talking and one says, hey, what do you think of the new quarterback? And the other goes, I don't know. Darnold was throwing dimes out there today. You know, right, exactly, right. All right, uh, next quote. Somebody's always going to think you're trash. I want to be happy, so I'm not going to think about it. Words to live by. (laughs) That's a good one. That, that I think, is where I'll go back to Malik Willis one more time here. I agree on that one. It all is right, good, I good. agree. I, yep. I, I, yep. All right, good. That that was, you know, yeah, people were criti- critical of him, certainly. Well, because he played at Liberty. Yes. Somebody, yesterday when we were talking about the he's a winner right. thing and how so much right. gets put on that, somebody emailed, hey, Malik Willis lost to West Point, and they only scored like 16 points that day. So if you can't – if you can't beat Army, then, you know, you don't belong in the NFL, basically. But, again, it's it's 11 guys on the field at any given time. And you have a defense. And you have a coaching staff. There are a lot of variables. One guy is not going to change the outcome of a game. No, they're not. And, you know, teams like Army can be tricky because they play a style of football that a lot of teams in college football don't play against. So all of a sudden they're going, oh, no, the option and all this stuff and, you know, the wishbone. And I don't know how the hell to defend it. So that can be, you know, again, yes. And Army was pretty good this year. 
Uh, people got to stop looking at one win. Matchups matter. How the game, how one team plays, all of that. Willis is raw. He is raw. He doesn't get to see all the prototypical quarterback things on a consistent basis. But what you do get to see is a guy that has got a live arm, a big time arm, and a and a knack to move in the pocket and make some big throws that way too. And that's what excites me about him. Last one from a cornerback. There's nothing that's changed over the past couple of years. The teams know just by looking at the film that there is not a difference. Who said that? Well, I'm going to go with the guy that worked out yesterday, Derek uh, Stingley Jr. from LSU. I feel like I saw that. Ding, ding, ding. Right. Yeah. Right. Which I want to throw a challenge flag because the film is not the same as it was two years ago, his freshman year. Because the sophomore year and then the junior year, it was underwhelming. And I don't look at his workout yesterday to be, oh, man, that that closed the door. He's for real. No, I don't. The times we get, right, Mike, 4-4-3, that's 4-5 at the NFL Combine, a laser. This is hand time. Human error is real at a tenth. So that I don't sit there and look at that and go, oh, wow, damn, he blew me out of the water. He is a top ten pick. I was wrong. Yeah, I, and – Look, the, the, his pro day was anywhere from four three three to four four five, and okay, th- that's a problem. You got different surfaces, you've got different timing, you've got, and we're talking about flashes. Exactly, it's not. I mean, it's a tenth of a second. It's hardly any time at all. But you know, it's it can be a huge difference when it comes to how a guy is regarded. And if if it's a four three three. Yes, that's pretty good. Four, four, five. Okay, that's still fast, but not quite as fast. And there are plenty of imperfections in that question of how how quickly a guy covers forty yards in a straight line without pads on and no football game being played. But for corners, it it makes sense because what kind of recovery speed do you have? Exactly. If the guy runs by you, how quickly can you get back in position to do something about it? Yes, exactly. And, you know, here we're sending up some tweets of, you know, the official time from the workout came out as 4-4-3, 4-4-5. You see Jim Nagy here from the Senior Bowl. He's trying to send in what I said. You know, the, the differences are a little – there's a difference between an electric laser finish as compared to, like you're talking about, a split second, a guy trying to look at, you know, with his hand and, you know, his eyes and all that and see it all together and do it that way. There is a difference there. Um, but you said it right. That, that's, that's right. You know, you, you're playing corner and you're covering guys that run 4-5 and 4-4 and high 4-3s. And like you said yesterday, they know where they're going. You better be faster. And you have to be. And, and it's, it's a basic one for me at corner because the greatest ones in the history of the sport, for the most part, and when you go to the, you know, Daryl Green, Deion Sanders, Darrell Rivas, Champ Bailey's of the world and getting that conversation, they're 4-3 guys. They're all 4-3 guys, if not 4-2 guys. And there's a difference between that and the mid-4-4s and a 4-5 at corner. They always say in any election the most important guy is the one who counts the votes. I mean, in something like this, the most important guy – is the one with the stopwatch. And there's an art to that, too. There is. When are you hitting that button? Are you anticipating based upon how he's getting down the line? All right, here it comes, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to time it so I'm hitting it just as he passes the finish line. Or are you waiting to see him pass the finish line when that, you hit I, it? There is, I mean, yes. You can build in a tenth of a second easily right there. There is, that's, there's, there's discrepancies there. Exactly right. You know, so they, and, and if you talk to scouts, a lot of them have their own little different formula as far as what they look for or what they do. 
So it's not consistent. It's a good baseline for the scout to have in their book, and they write that. But they all feel much more comfortable about the guy that ran at the combine because they know it's scientific, and it's gotten really scientific at the combine to where, yes, we have the laser finish, we got that, but they're going back and watching the tape and then making sure the clock was started at the right time as well. So it's, there's, it's foolproof. You know, with this, it's, it's not. We're just going by the guy that we think has the most consistent thumb on the stopwatch. That's all we're going by. All right, let's take a break. When we, ret- when we return, the Chris Sims running back rankings, how early is too early to use a draft pick on a running back? We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Running back rankings time, three weeks away from the NFL draft. There's the Chris Sims top five. He's got Kenneth Walker III from Michigan State at number one over Brees Hall from Iowa State. Many have Hall at number one. Chris, what did you see to distinguish Walker from Hall? Well, I think they're both they're both really good, right? And they're both guys you can justify, in my opinion, of taking at the end of the first round. Certainly top of the second Guys that I look at to go somewhere between 25 and 40 in the NFL draft a little bit. But both are game breakers. Now, both ran four, Walker ran 4.38. Brees ran 4.39. They both have the type of speed that can go 70 yards to the house. That's awesome. You always love that in football. But it's the other stuff that Kenneth Walker does that has a clear advantage, in my opinion. First off, the quicker running back. I mean, makes more people miss in space. The first guy almost never gets Ken, uh, Kenneth Walker when in space. Like, can jump cut Mike as far as jump into another hole, or can just be running and stick his foot in the ground and cut another way and outrun everybody for a 60-yard touchdown. He has that ability. Hall's really good, but does not have the ability to break ankles and make people miss that way, let alone definitely doesn't break as many ta- tackles as Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker is he runs people over, he breaks arm tackles, people bounce off him. You know, yesterday I was re- as I was going through this whole process and doing this on on my podcast as far as the rankings and breaking down, Pete's always good to look up things as I talk about him. I think Kenneth Walker was one of the leaders in college football for broken tackles this year. So, wait, a leader in broken tackles and then a leader in 50 and 60 yard runs and highlight type runs. I'll take him. He's clearly the number one running back for me. Are any of these guys first rounders? They're, they're, it's still, I think these two are debatable. I do. I, I mean, this is, you know, uh, I look at like Kenneth Walker and go, I mean, he's, he's Joe Mixon. He's a superstar that way. He's, he's just a smaller version, but maybe a little more explosive as far as the speed goes. And Brees Hall, there's some Jonathan Taylor comparisons there. I think Jonathan Taylor's a little bit better. But, you know, I, I would not be mad is what I'm saying if one of, the, one of these or both of these guys win at the end of the first. I wouldn't sit there and go, oh, that's so stupid. That really is. These are guys that can be, you know, superstars in the league for the next four or five years. You posted a couple of polls on your Twitter account yesterday as it relates to drafting running backs. First question, would you want your team to draft a running back in round one? Overwhelmingly, the answer is no. And look, unless it's a clear-cut superstar about whom I have no concerns regarding durability, no concerns regarding ability to touch the ball 25 to 30 times per game, I'm not doing it. So I agree with the 85.3% that would not want to see its team yeah. draft a running back in round one. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. You've been That's saying that for a long time. Together. Well, yeah, that, it was. We, we asked another question, too. But, hey, the, 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 the current facts will hit, hit you in the face altogether here. 
We know some of the first-round running backs and those guys, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, of course, had the great year. Here's the, the Twitter poll about everybody wants to take their running back in the second round. And that's where I'm going with this because, oh, Jonathan Taylor, when was he drafted? Oh, that's right, the second round. Oh, the second leading rusher in football, Nick Chubb, when was he drafted? Oh, that's right, the second round. Joe Mixon, third leading rusher in football, when was he drafted? Oh, the second round. Dalvin Cook for the Minnesota Vikings, the fifth rated or fifth rushing running back in football, second round. I mean, Derrick Henry, the best running back we've seen in football the last five years, second round. So there is something to that, and I don't think we're going to see either one of these guys go in the top 20 or 25. I don't expect that. Here's the one exception, and it hasn't worked out for the Chiefs, but they drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire two years ago with pick number 32. If you get a guy at the bottom of round one, you get five years of Yeah, that's right. Yep. And what you can do if you want to do this, you get him for five years – Tag him once, that's six years in. Yeah. How much tread's really left on yeah. the tires after Probably six coming years to an in end the NFL? There. That's right. Tag him twice if you really want to. And unless he's leaving on Bell, he's going to be happy to take that 20% raise and show up. And then after that, you disengage. The problem with running backs, it's very simple. It's more political than football. You're right. And this, this first started, and there's some stuff about this in Playmakers. It started with Sean Alexander after he was the MVP of the NFL in 2005. The Seahawks had to give him a huge contract. They had to. Why? He was the MVP of the NFL. Right. People are showing up in Sean Alexander jerseys. The fan base wants Sean Alexander on the team. So they give him a gigantic contract. And by the middle of the next season, they regretted giving him that gigantic contract. But we see it time and again. Running backs who make big money relative to the position. It's not big money relative to other positions. They get that money from the team that they started with because that team feels compelled to keep that guy Very around. real. We are compelled yeah. to take a break. Tiger Woods is going to tee off later today at the Masters. We're going to draft the guys we want to see most make a comeback in the NFL. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. After PFT Live, flip it over to the Golf Channel where they are live from the Masters all week long. You'll get the most comprehensive coverage from Augusta National Golf Club as round one kicks off today. Tiger Woods is scheduled to tee off around 11 a.m. Eastern, which brings us to today's draft. An unlikely comeback story. Cinderella story, some may say, if he does well at the Masters this yeah. year. Guys in the NFL, we would... What are you giggling about? At all. I, you didn't get the reference at all. Cinderella's, here it is. Cinderella's story here at Augusta. He's uh, 180 yards. I think, the Bill Murray oh, scene. The, yeah, 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 right, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, guys, we would like to see make a comeback in the NFL. Uh, you got a question for me. Go ahead. Yep, here we go. All right, so every year at the Augusta Sports Count, the Augusta Sports Council presents an award to the best collegiate player at a certain position. The award is named after a Hall of Famer who you could say is in a class by himself. What is the award? I have no idea whatsoever. I don't know what you're getting at with this. I'm just not. I'm, go ahead. Oh, the Ray Guy Award given to the nation's best collegiate punter. I would have never guessed that. But Ray Guy was. He is from Augusta, and he was uh, the first great punter in NFL history and the only punter in the Hall of Fame. All right, you get the first pick. 
Well, um, mm. that was not an easy question. That was not an easy way. at all. I, I knew I had heard that before that Ray Guy was from there, but I would not come up with that at all. That was that was a tough one. No, no question. All right. Um, guys, we want to see make a comeback. All right. The first guy I'm going to throw out there is like Michael Thomas. Like, where the hell have you been? I want to see Michael Thomas make a comeback and reestablish himself as one of the best receivers in football. You know, his attitude, what he does, it's kind of polarizing. He certainly helps the Saints and gives them an attitude. But, you know, we were talking to this as a guy that most people, and especially the fantasy world, viewed as like, oh, my gosh, the greatest fantasy receiver in the history of the world. And we haven't seen him now for basically two years. So that that's one where I look at to see. I want to see a comeback and see what he's got and see him jump back on the scene. I still remember when he got hit low late in that week one game, 2020. I saw it happen kind of on the corner of the screen, and I thought Michael Thomas has an ankle injury, and who would have known it was as bad as it ended up being? We've not seen him do anything since then. I'm going more along along the lines of guys who are out that I want to see come back because Tiger was essentially out. We never expected to see him come back. So my first pick's Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck's still in his early 30s. Andrew Luck could come back and play at a high level. I'd like to see Andrew Luck. And at one point, I thought maybe he would. There's never been any real chatter about it, though. I thought maybe he would go to Las Vegas and play with John Gruden out there or something along those lines. I don't think he's ever coming back, but I'd love to see him do it. Yeah, I I mean, I would, too. I'm with you. I mean, I I think that's still one of the more underrated or, you know, not talked about amazing moments, really, over the last decade of football. First off, how it threw such a curveball or a wrench into the Colts organization where you just go, holy crap, look at their team and look what they are. If they still had Andrew Luck, what would we be saying about the Indianapolis Colts? We'd be going, they're maybe the best team in football or up there. That was huge. So, okay, cool one. You're going that way. I like that. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to stay with kind of like my way a little bit here. I'm going to go with um, OBJ. That's the next guy. Uh, again, the what the way that happened, I, I don't want to see that happen to anybody, let alone in the Super Bowl when you're on the cusp of tearing the other team apart and becoming like the best receiver in the game and maybe winning the MVP. I, 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 I that hurt my heart. You know, I'm a fan of him to begin with. Have gotten a chance to spend a little time with him, so I do like the human being to go along with it. And I think the talent is real, so I want to see him come back in the NFL and. You know, remind everybody that the guy we saw towards the end of the year is really the real Odell Beckham Jr., not the, you know, the guy who couldn't get the ball in Cleveland even when he was open. Next one for me, and this is another one, a guy who's out that I would like to see come back in, a guy who last played in 2015 and is in the Hall of Fame. Bring back Megatron. He's only 36. (laughs) Bring back Calvin Johnson. Let's see him play. And, you know, he has said from time to time, one of his issues with the Lions, they didn't let him go. You know, they let Matthew Stafford go. They didn't let Calvin Johnson go to a different team. They didn't let Barry Sanders go to a different team. Maybe they learned their lesson. But I think Calvin Johnson can still get it done. He's 6'5". Make him a tight end. Put about 40 pounds on him. But I'd love to see him back in the NFL. Yeah, well, I, I guess. I mean, I would too. He's certainly one of the greatest of all time. I was wondering where you were going there. You said five years ago or 2015. I was like, wait, is he going Peyton Manning here? Is he going Colin Kaepernick? I, was, I wasn't sure where you were going. It is amazing it's been that long since Calvin Johnson has last has. played. We have to take a break. We'll do round three of the players we would like to see make a comeback draft in Uh, Just a few minutes here on PFT Live. All 
All right, round three of the guys we want to see make a comeback in the NFL, inspired by Tiger Woods teeing off at about 11 a.m. Eastern today at the Masters. Chris, you're up round three. Well, mine's going to be a little bit more about, like, revival of the career comeback type of thing. It's not like a total, like, been injured or been out or something like that. I'm, I'm going to go Khalil Mack here. Khalil Mack, I'm, I, I'm rooting for him. One, I like him. He's a hell of a player. He's, you know, gotten a little bit of a bad rap in Chicago because he didn't get as many sacks or live up to the expectations of the big contract and the trade, but was still really, really good. And now he's in the, with the Chargers. You know, Brandon Staley has a little history with them all together. You know, Joey Bosa's on the other side. I want to see if that revives his career. I think there could be a chance this gives him a little juice and maybe makes him a little bit more of a force in the NFL this year. Last one for me, and this guy was on my list. The name came up when we were kicking some things around during the break. Specifically, has a Hall of Famer ever come back? And Joe Gibbs is a coach who came back after making it to the Hall of Fame. I want Bill Parcells back involved in football in a position where we can hear from him. He's got so much wisdom. He communicates it in such an entertaining way. He was great when he was on ESPN. Very blunt, very no-nonsense. And remember, it was 10 years ago. There was, all, there was talk about him taking over the Saints during the Bounty Gate year. Remember that almost right. happened? That yeah. would have been something. No doubt. Uh, I would love to see Bill Parcells back in some capacity. Bill Parcells, to me, is one of the best interviews in the history of football, always. just you, you say, He's got so many creative ways to say something or make a point with just one sentence, and you go, damn, that was good. That's where he – and I have to hear it all the time from my dad. I hear it about once a week from that. Technically, he's a courtesy consultant for the Cleveland Browns and has been since 2014. Didn't know that. So that's it. Chris is done for the week. Oh, I should say, he's Dick Hammer. I'm Turd Ferguson. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) Our new sign-off. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution.